Hey everybody, this is Mike Van Meter and welcome to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is your one-stop shop for freedom, Americanism, the Constitution, and frankly, just the way you ought to live your life. And today, folks, we have once again with us Jim Miles, who is running for the congressional seat up for grabs up here in the 11th district in Virginia and we are so excited to talk to him for the second time now and we wanted to get sort of an update on the campaign so far because if you haven't been paying attention there's a campaign running right now for the election in November and uh, James Miles is running for that seat and we just wanted to talk to him about some of the issues and allow him to get his points across because this is something that's really important to us because you know our, our country is really not headed in the right direction as far as I'm concerned and uh, myself like you are concerned about what is going to happen to the nation and Congress is going to be the key so with that we're going to talk to Jim and Jim thanks for coming on the show oh, thanks again for having me I really appreciate it well thanks and you know, last time that we talked to you, you had uh, just won the primary, and we got to know you. It was kind of a hi-how-are-you sort of podcast. Now, we just want to start buckling down and getting into some of the issues. But first, tell us, where are you in the campaign? How are things going? Oh, it's actually, it's going really, really well. Uh, very excited. Uh, again, we had kind of the first, the Firehouse primary back in early May, and we had a lot of the other primaries that needed to be settled. So we were kind of a little bit of in a holding pattern there as far as staffing and, and who would be running in the field and, and all that's been resolved. So in the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe a month, uh, we've rounded out my team. We have a, a you know, consultant, campaign manager, uh, uh, somebody that helps me out personally in, in, in our treasurer. So now we're fully staffed. We've got uh, senior advisors uh, uh, to help me. And because and, it is a really busy, busy time for me, it's, uh, it's very exciting, but it's hard to uh, keep all the balls rolling and, uh, if that's the right term, or juggling at the same time. But we're getting there, and it's just the thing that I find most exciting is when I get out into the the community. We went to the uh, – one of our first big events was the uh, the Fairfax uh, 4th of July parade, and we went out there, and we had uh, so many volunteers that, that showed up and were all fired up, and uh, we walked the parade route. And just the reception from, from people, I mean, Fairfax, especially in the city there, is historically a very blue – and maybe not real receptive to a Republican like myself, but I went out and, and certainly there were some people, you know, that were Democrats, but they were, you know, not rooted all to me and, and were very kind to, I thought to me, even though they're, they're not Republicans, they're Democrats, but I was just very amazed at, and how many people were very interested in the message because people are really getting very concerned uh, every day uh, here with our lives in Fairfax. And I'm one of them. So that's where we are, and now we're at the point where we're finishing out our team and we're just going to go forward. We're doing fundraising events so that we can get the message out because our message is just so well received by everybody. And, and why wouldn't it be? We all want to get rid of this inflation. It's over 9% now, and it's really hurting uh, so many people, especially younger families. Uh, and then the gas prices, and we'll probably talk about that more but just the uh, the messaging we're getting going and the fundraising and the materials. And it'll just be getting out to meet people, knocking on doors, uh, what makes a, a campaign work and, and, and what makes, an, I think, America great. We're going to get out there and we're going to spread our message, uh, you know, the Constitution and laws and, and we have rights and freedoms. And that's what I stand for. And I think that uh, the people of Fairfax here are going to get to know me a lot better in the next few months. 
Yes, they are. And, you know, going uh, speaking of inflation, it, the economy is certainly the, the big issue right now. And uh, you mentioned 9% inflation on the economy. And kind of walk us through that right now. What, what's your take on, on what's going on and what do we need to do about it? Well, I think the big problem was this, it's just reckless spending with the, the $1.9 trillion, uh, you know, the Biden-Pelosi-Connolly uh, plan there. And it just, uh, basic economics, it just put too much money out into uh, the, the, the community, so to speak, and that uh, too, too much money chasing too few goods. And that's just a recipe for inflation. And, you know, if Terry Connolly didn't know that was going to happen, uh, you know, I don't think he's really qualified uh, to be our representative. And if he knew that was going to happen, but he didn't uh, uh, protect us here in Fairfax, but instead uh, kowtowed to the Biden-Pelosi plan and just uh, left us out here, then I don't think he's really uh, fit to be our representative. And the other thing with relate, uh, related to inflation is the, the gas prices, our fuel. Uh, yeah. uh, we've lost our energy independence and, and the supply chains and all that. Uh, just comes together, and it's just uh, over 9%. The consumer price index is going up now, and then they're talking about uh, uh, raising the uh, FATA point, and then we're at at the edge of a recession if we're not in it. So everything is just going in the wrong direction, and it all goes back to the the Biden-Pelosi-Connolly plan. These policies are a failure, this massive spending plan that's burdening our children and grandchildren with even more debt, up to $100,000. And they just don't have any energy plan. They're, we're asking the Saudis to pump out more um, oil and, and the money that goes there. You know, I read today and uh, that it might benefit the Russians in ways. So it's just we have a failed uh, policies that are, are all rooted there in the Biden Pelosi kindly plan for America. And I, I'm hoping the people of Fairfax reject it because it's certainly not helping my family and, and people I know here in Fairfax. When you go around Fairfax County, and, and you mentioned uh, being on the parade, I know this is a deep blue area up here, and I, I say up here because I live in the, the same, I live in your district, actually, and are you starting to see people sort of scratch their heads and wake up to this, or do you think that this is just because, you know, people are going to still vote for uh, the Democrat Party, whoever the Democrat uh, candidates are, and, and whatever the the uh, whatever the seats are that are, that are running because of ideology, or do you see people starting to wake up to this and wanting change? I, I mean, it's really a great question because I said the parade and then I went to the fireworks. They were over at the Fairfax high school. I think it was two nights. It was probably Monday night. And I kind of went through the same thing in uh, historically the pretty blue areas. And there are certainly some people that were not uh, really willing to talk uh, but uh, again, they were uh, nothing but, but courteous and kind to me, which I really appreciated. I certainly uh, enjoyed talking about it. But, you know, I would ask some people, what is it you like, you know, that we're, we're not interested with the Republicans? And, and some of them just I don't think they want to take responsibility for what's happening with their, their voting for Democratic policies. And, and I try to kind of convey that in a general way because. Uh, maybe they just uh, they don't want to admit what's going on, but uh, but generally people are much more receptive. I think they, they see it every day. The the gas prices, uh, you know, you go out to eat, you go to a restaurant. I mean, it's just getting to me uh, to be amazing when I, when I go out and everything, you know, twenty five, thirty percent more. And I just don't see if we continue on this Biden Pelosi Conley path with these uh, I call them woke policies, or they're just you know very far left socialist policies because it's just really punishing middle America and especially those people on the edge that live check to check. Mm -hmm. And I'm really hoping that they'll get out 
here in November and vote for me and we can make uh, some changes here in the direction that we're taking our country. Yeah, because, oh my goodness, by the time this election rolls around and God willing you get elected, it's still two more years of these policies and there's no evidence that this administration is changing course, is there? No, but it's hard to tell. Uh, there's a lot that I think that we can do in Congress, especially in the budget in, in our spending powers to try to move the executive branch. Uh, Cause you know, if we take, it looks like the house and we take the Senate, well, we certainly would not be a veto proof uh, possibility. I don't think anyone would believe that, but you can get some pressures and there might be uh, some more middle of the road uh, Democrats that might uh, join up with the, the Republicans. I don't think that's such a, such a reach here because we can just see what's, what's happening here. And if, you know, there's this red wave that we're hoping for, at least those of us that want, uh, you know, our inflation under control and gas prices and energy independence back, that this red wave will send a message to the this far left element of the Democratic Party that's just taken control at the national level and, you know, throughout the country. And, and it's just uh, resulting in so many problems for so many people. I'm really hoping uh, that people will wake up and see what's going on. And I really think they are in, we're all Americans and we all want the same basic things. So we just need to work together. And I think the conservative policies have proven successful and that's what I stand for. Yeah. I mean, we were certainly better off about a year and a half ago on all levels. I mean, na- name a subject, actually. I, we were better off about a year ago, but speaking of the issues and for left uh, agenda, let's talk about the border a little bit. Um, you know, what, as you know, Jim, it, you, you've known me for uh, a, a little while here, and you've, you've heard me talk about my, my passion for addiction and uh, the, the drug epidemic that we have here in the United States. Is there any question in your mind that the open border is contributing to that? And I've heard some say, and initially I, I thought, oh, that's a kind of an extremist point of view, but the more and more you study it, it makes sense that Fentanyl being released into our country, uh, most of it comes, if not all of it, in fact, comes from China. This is almost like a chemical attack on this country because we have a lot of people dying from this. And it's just coming across unabated uh, across our border. So talk to us a little bit about that, your, your thoughts and your feelings on the border. And then, and then we'll kind of segue into the whole drug epidemic crisis as it is. Yeah, well, I think the open border that we have in the South there has been a disaster on so many levels. The the human trafficking and just the cost to, to resettle uh, these people that are coming in here uh, illegally and, and they're settling all over the country. And, and I've heard conversations anecdotally today how much benefit they're getting from the government in these relocation uh, efforts. And that's taking away benefits that could go to Americans. But the big thing is, yeah, the, the fentanyl, the drugs that are pouring in, the overdoses I read, 150 a day, 66,000 a year, and it just keeps going up. And uh, we're starting to know people. I had an event today, and I was talking to a gentleman, and he's had two people in his circle uh, of people that he knows, family and friends that have died of overdoses from fentanyl, and it's just a very powerful, powerful drug. And it's just, uh, you know, coming in. I've read how much is coming in a day is enough to kill, you know, millions of people or all of America in a few days. I forget the exact uh, statistics, but uh, but we really need to close the border. And additionally, we need to staff, properly staff the border patrol to make sure that they can uh, restrict crossings, of course, and then the points of entry, it's easier 
uh, to catch the drugs if you limit points of entry and you can pour more resources in there. So it's also budgeting and staffing our Border Patrol agents, who to me are just heroic, what they do and under mm-hmm. the difficult circumstances. And I think the lack of support they get get from this administration uh, is just my hats off to them because I know they're out there and, and it just must be discouraging for them. They're, they're doing their oh, very yeah. best and I don't think they're getting the support that they should be getting from the United States government and that needs to change. No, it's got to be absolutely demoralizing. And, you know, once again, when you're talking to people out there, do you think the, the public really understands that or is there a... Uh, is there this feeling like, hey, look, you've got to get into Congress and do something about this because this is a national security issue. And uh, we have fentanyl coming across the borders. And, and of course, there's human trafficking. Hey, but how about terrorists? How about people that just outright want to harm us, you know, through yeah. terrorism attacks? I mean, we're hearing about people that are picked up that are on the known suspected terrorist list or the KST list. Um, I mean, does that scare the hell out of people or what are they saying about this? Yeah, it certainly scares me. And I know in discussions, uh, with people. Uh, but I, yeah, I saw the number, I don't know if it was 23 or 32, but they're just catching more and more people on the wanted list, uh, suspected list, and who knows how many more are getting through. And, and the, you know, I certainly hope that we never have another terrorist attack here, but if we keep this open border and, and we that some of them must be getting through just the, I don't see that there's any way around it, but yeah, it, it certainly bothers me. You know, we live here close to, to, uh, DC and in Northern Virginia. And I certainly wish that we would get the border under control and closed so that we could stop uh, all these people pouring in that we just don't physically and have the resources to vet and make sure that they're not a danger uh, to our communities. And that's what we really need to do. And I, I talked to other people and, and a lot of us, you know, you wake up at night or uh, you wake up in the morning and you just, uh, you know, you're not super depressed, but you're certainly feeling like, like we're just not in a good path. And I read the other day, 88%, and I mean, I stress it again, 88% of all Americans think that our country's on the wrong path. And that's across all, you know, all parties. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. No. And, a, and a statistic like that is really a harbinger for come election time that we might see a, a real change in the, uh, the politics of, of America here that we're going to change directions and certainly not seen anything like that in, in our lifetime. So mm-hmm. I think it's looking good to, to hopefully a uh, correct course here. Well, I'll tell you what, I've actually read some st- uh, statistics that put it higher than that, even into the 90% that uh, mm-hmm. people think that this country is going on the, in the wrong direction. And, you know, I think people are getting very irritated with the whole double standard uh, now switching gears to the sort of the the justice area of what's going on in national politics and this double standard i mean we have uh well i'll throw out a couple of issues that are problematic that's one the january 6th committee and then of course the supreme court justices who have people protesting outside of their home which in and of itself is a violation of the united states code but it, it seems like this is allowed to happen when you are of one particular political ilk and belong to a party. Uh, you flip it over the other side and, you know, the, the Republican side. Imagine, if you will, if these were Republicans that were protesting outside of uh, Supreme Court justices' houses. Uh, I think it would be a different story. And you know, let me just start with that. Do, do you think it would be different if the party was different? Oh, I certainly do. And I think a lot of it goes to the the media, the mainstream media. I just think is so corrupt now. They are are so in line with the Democratic Party and the, the woke uh, agenda that they do not really cover things fairly. And that's why none of this stuff gets much attention when they're breaking 
federal laws protesting at, at Supreme Court justices' homes, and that doesn't really get much news at all, very little coverage. And the fact that these uh, uh, the, the police that are in charge will not enforce the laws, we see it here in, in Fairfax, these prosecutors that are just letting criminals go out and it, and it just kind of gets me excited to talk about it. I just read, and excited isn't the right word, it gets me very sad that they're closing Starbucks, uh, several of them over in Los Angeles. You've seen that in San Francisco, these Democrat-run cities. It's not safe for people to even work in these uh, restaurants and coffee shops anymore. They're getting you know robbed and, and worse. And then the, the incident in New York there where one of the uh, the owners or workers defended themselves, and he's the one that they tried to, to they, they sent into to Rikers, from what I read and recall. Yeah, and that really got people upset. And it's just like it just makes no sense. We're a, we're a nation of laws, and we always have been, starting with the Constitution, and uh, we go from there. And if we just start to apply and enforce laws that we like or politically agree with, it's just a recipe, and it's just not fair uh, to America. Mm-mm. So maybe just some quick thoughts also. You've been, have you been following the January 6th committee and maybe some of your thoughts on that and opinions as to what's going on? Yeah. Well, I've been following that a little bit. Right from the start of it, it just seemed when they wouldn't let certain Republicans onto the committee and then they let a couple others that were obviously Trump haters in from my review and what I thought of it. It was just so slanted. And again, it goes back to the impeachment process. As Nancy Pelosi, to me, as a speaker, is just such a partisan, uh, an ideologue, whatever you want to call it. There's no fairness in any of, any of this. There's no uh, rights of the defense uh, to present a defense. It's just a steamroller political exercise using the power of the speaker's position. And I just think it's really been uh, very sad for all of America to see what's gone on for the last few years with the way that she's run things as the speaker of the House. The speaker should be somebody uh, that really kind of represents all of America. Whether they're Republican or Democrat, there might be some nuances and some differences there. But to use it just as such a, a partisan tool has just been uh, really sad, I think. Uh, and a lot of people have been very disappointed with, with what happened with all of that. Exactly. Including the commission. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't been following the January 6th committee, uh, regardless of what your opinion of what happened was, here's the fact. In this committee, there there is no cross-examination whatsoever of any witness. There's no questioning of, of anybody. And I don't. it doesn't really matter to me where you stand on this issue. This is not how we do business in the United States. We can question people. We can cross-examine people. We, you know, you, you can't just put a witness on the stand and have it, uh, have whatever they say go without any opposition whatsoever. And that's exactly what's been happening here. Yeah, and and it seems like, there. oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to add, and I forget her name, but she, she went and testified to all these things in the limousine I remember reading. And, and I just don't pay that much attention to it because it is, it's just a lot of hearsay. And, and the Secret Service came out and said uh, that they were going to present, I think, uh, witnesses that said that was was not true, and then they attacked this this woman's credibility. She had none, but yet she was out there. She testified, and there's just there's no controls, there's no due process, there's no fairness in any of these proceedings, and it's just it's very troubling. Why can't if they really have something there? Why don't they have a fair tribunal where you can make a defense and people can decide? And instead, it's just a one way show uh, to try to you know. Flame and burn, I guess, is a, is a term I would use and get everything out there uh, to just try to make the, the Republican Party and everything that happened with Donald Trump there look very bad. And again, I'm not condoning any of that. 
Oh, no, uh, no. I think that you could, yeah, you can have a fair process and, and let's find out. So nothing like that ever happens again, because there's so many questions from what I've read and heard that are not even being considered by the commission. Yeah. Offers to have additional guard troops. And then there was the drawdown of, and, and somebody was killed and that was never really investigated. There's just a, a lot of questions on both sides, but yet they only look at one side of the issues. And I don't think that helps America. Yeah. And to go along with your point that, Let's say that this is there was something heinous going on, that there was a crime, that there was a conspiracy. There was uh, Donald Trump and his team really did incite violence. I mean, okay, you you would want to have a hearing on this and you would want to get all of the information out on the table, because if that happened, we want to ensure this never happens again. So if we are really trying to get to the heart and the truth of what happened on January 6th, would we not want a free and fair hearing in order to get every side, every nook, every cranny, every bit of information out there? I mean, I think that's what we would want. That's what we, our system is set up upon to do that. But that's not what's happening here. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better than you just did. It is. It's, it's not designed uh, to do anything other than just put out a message that they want to get out. And that's why it really has no credibility. And I do follow it somewhat. Uh, but not very closely because if you look at the press, they thought it was going to be this big deal, and I don't think anyone's really watching it, and I certainly hope they aren't because the whole thing is just a farce, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, and along those lines, the uh, on the abortion issue, as, as you know, Roe v. Wade was uh, overturned. Now, I know there's probably not a, a subject that is more misunderstood by people than this one, and you have the left saying that abortion rights have gone away when in reality nothing has gone away it's just where is the decision being made uh we went from this being a federal issue to a state issue and this seems to have created quite the stir now this is interesting because as you know <laughs> I, I i'm running for the state senate here in virginia my myself in the the 33rd district and i did not think you know as I started my own campaign, that abortion would be an issue that I would even have to think about uh, as far as the legislature is concerned, but that has obviously changed here in in recent time. So this is now turned back over to the states. And uh, I heard today, actually, I was just reading a report right before I got in the air with you, that the House just passed a uh, a bill uh, putting, making, making it uh, legal to have an abortion. Now, it's it's probably not going to pass in the Senate. It looks like this is going to be dead on arrival. But there's this attempt to uh, make this, uh, you know, pass uh, legislation to legalize abortion. So wh- this fight has not gone away yet, and this is going to be an issue that will come back up in the Congress that you're going to be in. So maybe kind of run us through that, your thoughts and your opinions, and uh, and even your thoughts of this now being pushed back over to the states. Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing is, you know, the federal funding is something that, that should not, we should not use federal funds for, for any abortions that uh, a lot of people, however you feel on the issue, it's not right to use federal funds. And so that's something that I would, would be very mm. uh, steadfast to, to get to ever give in on that. No federal funds for abortions, but yeah, the, you know, is there a constitutional right to an abortion? That was basically uh, the issue and remains the issue. And, and I think the decision that, that the court, Put out was very, to me, well-reasoned and, and made sense. I found it uh, persuasive that the Constitution really is silent on abortion. And since it is silent, you look to whether it was a fundamental right, and you look at that historically, and, and abortion was illegal for in, in, in all states for, for a long time. So there's really no constitutional basis uh, for a right to an abortion, and I think that's what the court reached. 
And if there is no constitutional right, again, that doesn't necessarily make a decision on the merits, but it just is reserved for the states and the people. And I think that's uh, the way that the Constitution was written, drafted, and intended. And again, that's my opinion. And, uh, but I was persuaded by the, the court's uh, decision. I would encourage other people to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I think that this is something that uh, the people, whatever state you're in, the people should decide in that particular state. And I really hate to see uh, you know, just the, the angst that's going on right now. I have to be honest, I actually expected the left to, to engage more violence than, than occurred. Uh, it really it didn't seem to quite have the traction that many on the left, uh, a lot of the commentators thought it was going to have. But uh, that's a good thing. It's a good thing mm-hmm. that there, there wasn't more violence uh, associated with that. Um, now, no, I read there was a lot that not violence, but damage and yeah. property damage to churches and in some uh, uh, clinics that that helped with with women that that uh, had issues that uh, were not pro-abortion uh, or abortion provider places that, mm-hmm. that that they were damaged and vandalized. I don't know how widespread that was. I just read read some instances. About oh yeah, there's there certainly was was some damage. I I yeah. it just. I, I ex- personally, I expected more, and I'm glad. I glad. I'm glad that it didn't happen. But I, I just, too, yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. But you know, now the president himself, and and I'm looking again. Two, what are we about two and a half years at this point? Biden has left in the the presidency, and I watch him. And, and James, you can see what I can see. Uh, he is going downhill quickly. I, I mean, yeah. quickly. And and I'm not picking on the man. I'm I'm just making an observation. And I wonder if physically he can even withstand uh, being in the office. And this is it's important. And this is again, this is not picking on the man. It's important because mm-hmm. the image, the ability to stay on top of what he needs to do to handle complex issues, to handle um, sensitive issues and issues of national security are being called into question. And it's not just us. You know, I watch a lot of the news overseas, Sky News in particular. Um, in fact, uh, Sky News Australia is very, very critical of the president. And, and it's almost a nightly mantra that this man is not physically capable of carrying out his duties. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, in Congress, could, can you see at some point Congress stepping in and taking some action with this, or you know, have you have you thought about that, or what what are your or yeah, what are yeah, your I, thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly. I mean, Joe Biden has been around a long a long time in his age, and yeah, you can see the decline. We all decline as we get older, and we don't like to see uh, that happen to anybody. Uh, but he is in a very important position uh, leading our country, and and when you see him. He can't really uh, respond well oftentimes to questions when he even tries. And the entire election process, he was basically kept in a basement. And he still doesn't get out and do very much, uh, certainly not, not like uh, President Trump did when he was in office. And just a cognitive test, again, I think that uh, is certainly something uh, that should be considered here uh, when you listen to him. And he makes certainly mistakes in language that are significant, uh, I want to say calling uh, the, the the Holocaust was it was a, a honor instead of a horror. I just read the other day, and he quickly uh, caught himself. So uh, again, when everybody makes a slip of the tongue, and that happens, but but maybe it's time for him to consider uh, maybe some cognitive testing just for the good of our country. And if he's fine, he's fine, and then that will put that to rest. Uh, but until he does, I think everybody can really see that there is some question 
in his capacity and his ability to lead our country. And, and, and I think America needs to have a commander in chief that is fully capable uh, to handle crisis. And I just don't think that Joe Biden is there anymore. No, not at all. And once again, I'll ask you, when you're out on the campaign trail and going around yeah. to different events, uh, are people talking about this? Uh, you know, I don't hear everyone's just kind of shaking their head. It's more, I think the Biden policies is really what bothers more people. This, you know, the inflation and, and then his actual uh, mental processing, but they're certainly all very concerned about it. And I don't, I don't re- meet many people that think, you know, he's really doing a very good job as president. His approvals, you know, are probably lower than I, don't, I haven't seen what they are today or yesterday, but they're, they just continue to decline because he just really doesn't appear up to the job. And there are certainly ways, if it becomes even more obvious, there are certain ways uh, to remove, you know, a president that is no longer fit. Uh, hopefully uh, he would have the the good nature and goodwill to step down uh, when he finally either is shown or, or comes to the conclusion that he's really no longer up to the job and not put the country through some kind of a removal process. Uh, but that may become necessary if he continues to decline. And it is rather obvious, I think, to most uh people, unbiased observers. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah. And I, I read a report the other day that his camp is in this position where they can't make these admissions and they can't say that he's not going to run in 2024 because that would put him in a position where he's basically invisible as president and they don't want that to happen because that's a long time for us to have a president that's invisible. So I hope that we don't get to that point, but it really does make you scratch your, your head. Yeah. And you read about the, you know, the, and within the Democratic Party, a lot of them are really starting to question uh, that maybe he's just uh, too old for the job. And they're kind of even within the Democratic circles moving away. And the percentage of Democrats that don't want him to run for reelection, I think they're just starting to realize and they're starting to see uh, maybe that what was hidden with the COVID and in the way that whole election went, where he wasn't really front and center in the process, that maybe he's he's not up for the job. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely agree. And uh, talk to us about anything that, you know, so at this point, tell us what, what are your main concerns? What are you going on? May, let us know what's, what, what's coming up between now and November. Where, what's kind of your target points and uh, things that you're going to focus on besides the, the discussion that we've had so far? Anything that yeah. you want to put out there as being a main issue that you think is important? Well, I think the main issue for me at this point is I want to get out into the community and see what's what, what's really on people's minds, what the issues are. And I just see it pretty much every day. It's the inflation and the price of gas. And education is very, very large in people's mm-hmm. minds. They're, they're just trying to shut the parents out of their children's education and use schools, public schools, to indoctrinate our children in this whole pressuring on gender identity in public schools. Why do we need any of that? And they're starting even in elementary schools. Why do second graders need to know about gender identity or sex at all? But they just seem to have uh, some need to get all of these issues into our schools. And there are kids. I'm a parent and other parents out there. I know they feel the same way. These are our kids and we raise our kids. And it's not the public schools that are doing all of these, I think, private uh, family matter issues. And they need to get back uh, to what they were meant to do, which I think is educate our children, reading, writing, and arithmetic uh, et cetera, and get out of the social engineering process. So that's a, the three big issues with them, but I'm also looking at getting out into the community because this is definitely a, a blue area. So I'm trying to reach out and find the independents that are open-minded and some soft dumbs 
uh, you know, that are still considering a different path. Just, you know, the kitchen table issues everyone talks about and the inflation, the gas prices, uh, that is what people are talking about. And it's these, I call them the woke or the left or whatever you want to call these policies of the Biden and, and Pelosi and Conley. They're just really hurting, uh, hurting so much of America and, and especially the middle and lower income people. And it's just, uh, I, I think, reaching a point where they've just about had enough. And the other issue is crime. Uh, as I indicated, I, I mentioned earlier, they're closing Starbucks. It hasn't hit here, but it has. We've had, you know, shootings, what, in Tyson's Corner? Who would have expected that? I heard at Springfield Yeah, that's Mall. right. Yep. It's Yeah, it's just that we got this woke prosecutor here. I hope the recall is successful. But we need to hold these prosecutors uh, responsible, and we need to get rid of them if they're not going to enforce our laws and they keep putting dangerous criminals back out into the streets because it's not safe for our communities and our families. And, and we need to stand up to these prosecutors and uh, take, take, uh, take them out of their jobs and they can go do some, something else, but they're not protecting us. And that's something we need to look at. And along those lines, and you're absolutely, I agree with you hundred percent. And how about, you know, if you get into Congress, uh, your relationship with the police. I'm sure you're out talking to police officers, maybe even chiefs and sheriffs. And talk to us about yeah. that. I mean, we, the police departments, I was out actually today uh, doing some training, uh, critical incident training with some of the police departments here in Northern Virginia. And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. the morale is very, very low. These people have been beaten down over the last couple of years. And they, I can tell you from a law enforcement standpoint, they are looking for leadership to stand up, honor the profession, and give them the resources they, they need. Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, I'm certainly very uh, pro-police. I think we need to really get behind and support our police because they're the ones out on the front lines. You know, they're battling crime and drug abuse every day. And when I do talk to officers, I always make sure that I thank them because they really are uh, the ones that we call when we really need help. And, and uh, I can't speak highly enough of them. And I think back, it was a little while ago, I was at uh, an event over in, in Springfield and talked to a police officer, and they were talking about just the mentally ill that the police officers deal with and how they have to take care of them until they can get a bed uh, placement for them, and maybe we need more resources in there. But the point of the conversation it just reminded me that our police who do so many different things in the community for all of us and, and, and to uh, berate the police or not fund them, I, I just think is a horrible a direction for our community. And you read the, the, the suicide rates, I think, in the police are starting to, to be some concern because I oh, think it's are. probably yeah. a very difficult and stressful job. And they need our help and they need our support. And that's what we need to do. And we need to change direction. And if I get elected to Congress, I'll certainly be a friend for law enforcement. Yes, not only, and you're right, and I thank you for bringing that up about suicide. It has gone up quite a bit in the law enforcement community. And then on top of that, uh, short of suicide, you have people leaving the profession in droves, and then recruitment. We're not we're not able to recruit faster than people are leaving, and that is that has such a negative impact on the overall community and the rise in crime rates. And I, I'm glad to hear that you're you're going to do something about that. That uh, you want to fund the police uh, can, and in the areas where we can improve police. And I've I've actually talked about this in other podcast episodes uh, before that the training. 
there's, for example, the crisis intervention training that I was doing today uh, is meant to help the officers in, in critical incidents, but it's also a good training for the officers themselves when they're dealing with the public because it focuses on um, addiction issues, mental health issues, like you mentioned, and uh, looking at resources to help people. Again, that's designed to help the officers themselves, but that information also applies to the community. And, you know, back, if you remember back in the time when they were talking about defunding the police, Police, uh, there was talk of putting social workers out on the street and replacing officers and, and things like domestic calls, which is amazing. I was a cop. I can tell you this right now. That those are some of the most dangerous calls you can go on or domestic violence cases. And to think that you're just going to send social workers in is insane. However, however, and I'll throw this to you, Jim, uh, where I do think that we could improve is taking some of the training that we do provide to social workers regarding family violence, mental health issues, addiction, et cetera, et cetera, and providing more training to the police in those areas so they are better equipped, much like a social worker would, only it's the, the police mm-hmm. that are doing that. I think we can improve on that. And uh, I know yeah. that the, the police will be leaning on Congress and the state legislatures to uh, help improve in those areas. And uh, is that something you've given some thought to? Oh, definitely. As I recall from our first conversation, I, I, I floated the idea for the, you know, to have a dedicated uh, unit within a police department yeah. that deals exclusively with those issues that maybe to get to special training, special pay, but uh, they would be actual police officers that dealt with some of those more uh, difficult and dangerous domestic and mental health issues. And, and I certainly agree with everything you said 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Is there any, any other issue that you'd like to bring up while you, while you uh, have our audience here? Uh, I think we, we've kind of covered everything. I guess the only thing I would say to them is, is that what I really see this election as is, you know, it's just a time to put the citizens of the citizens and the taxpayers uh, back in control. We've got uh, right now this professional class of politicians uh, that don't really look out for us common folks, and we need to change that. And here in the 11th, we got Jerry Conley, and he's part of the, the Biden Pelosi, the yeah. policy failures and the elitists. And what we need to do is get the uh, people up in Congress that are not part of this this elite group of, of career politicians. And, and if you vote for me, that's, uh, I think that's what you'll get with me. I'm certainly not woke and I'm not a career politician. Uh, I'm certainly a family man with uh, a couple children, one in high school, one in Virginia college. And I'm running in this because I, I believe that things have just reached a point now where we really need to change direction. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, thanks again for joining us. And this is really good. And I want to do updates, you know, as we get closer to the election and find out where you are. And is, and I know, between, you know, in the political world between now and November, a lot can happen. There's going to mm-hmm. be a lot to talk about. The world can change overnight, as we know. And I'd like mm-hmm. to get you back on the program and, and talk about those things and get your, your thoughts. Because if you're listening to this podcast, folks, here the 11th Congressional District, this is going to be key. In fact, I will tell you that there are certain districts in the country, and I would say here in Northern Virginia, you've got the 10th, the 11th, where you are, uh, even the 7th uh, district. Hey, folks, these are going to be getting national attention. These are sort of bellwether uh, districts, if you will, because we're so close to Washington, D.C. And here in Virginia, which is by and large, if you're not from Virginia, the state is by and large con- conservative, except for where we're talking about. namely the 11th and and if this election jim if you win this election this is going to be a big big deal and it's going to send a strong message across the river to the administration so i wish you the best of luck 
could I just make say yeah. one more thing? I, sure. I just did want to get out my, my website is milesforcongress.com. That's miles with the Y for congress.com. And I just add there's also a Twitter and a Facebook lead, uh, a link, I should say, there. And I'd really ask you that you would consider donating to my cause because our, our message here is just resonating and, and it's winning hearts and minds of so many voters. And, and why wouldn't it? We all want energy independence. We want inflation under control. Uh, we definitely want safer streets and better schools. But it takes money to do that, and the mainstream media doesn't give uh, uh, people like me that have conservative values a, really a fair shake. So what I need to do is get the message out via other means, and that costs money. So please consider that. And I'd ask you to even go a step further, because we need to get this message out into our community. So I'd ask each of you to, to reach out to maybe 10 people that you know, friends, family members, neighbors, share the website, share the Facebook, share the Twitter, and share the message and together we can get this message out throughout the community, and that's how we can all come together and win in November, and that's what we need to do. But I really thank you again for having me on, on your podcast. Oh, no, the, the pleasure's mine. And along with that, you know, th- this is the second interview that I've done with Jim, and, you know, the idea here is that we get Jim on here and you can listen f- to him and hear from him what his positions are on all of these different issues. And if you agree with what mm-hmm. Jim is saying, and I don't know why you wouldn't, I mean, this a lot of this mm-hmm. is just common sense. Take this podcast, yeah. get it out to as many people as you can, because that's what we have to do. The, the left dominates the mm-hmm. traditional media, and the way that we get our message out is using the platforms that he just mentioned and, and podcasting and, uh, and mm-hmm. radio. So get it out there. Spread that message right. as much as you I can. I just make one more comment. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I want to tell the, the voters, we didn't talk much about my background, which is fine, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Jerry Conley up there, and he's a, a career politician. He's been up there a long time. He's adopted the woke agenda. He's turned his back, I think, on people in Fairfax, and he's with Pelosi and with Biden, and they've also adopted this woke agenda that's hurting all of us here in Fairfax. And if you know me, I was a former Air Force fighter pilot, and to get to be a fighter pilot, you have to have an, an attitude and a desire to try to, to, to win the good fight and overcome obstacles. And I was also a retired federal judge. I was a federal judge for over a decade, and I think I see my role as one of service, I've been a public servant for over 30 years, and I always try to treat everybody with courtesy and respect mm-hmm. uh, that I see out there, and I will certainly, uh, you can expect that from me. So that's just a little bit about me as a conclusion. I offer you certainly a contrast to what you have right now representing you in Congress, and I hope that you'll give me a chance because I won't let you down. I, I know you won't. I, I, I tell you, I, I really like you. I really like your, your you come, you have a very strong background and, and everything about you says service. I mean, you are somebody that has been serving the community in honorable ways and uh, support, support Jim as much as you can and support all of our other candidates too, because this is a team effort. Uh, we're talking about all these other districts that are up for grabs and support all of our, all of our candidates. And so Jim, best of luck to you. Best of luck. And closing, best luck to you in the 33rd there. We're rooting for you. Ah, thanks, thanks. Well, no one's going to pay attention to that race until after November. <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, you, you can count on me. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You can count on me as well. And folks, and right. we, we've got to count on all of you to get out there and vote. And so with that, this is Mike Van Meter. And thanks for joining me here on the Mike Van Meter Show. You guys get out there. Keep your heads up. 
Things are going to get better. The cavalry's on the way, and uh, Jim Miles is absolutely on the way. And uh, folks, get out there to support Jim. Contribute to his campaign if you can, and uh, spread that message. That's a real important part. Get out there, get at least 10 of your friends to uh, get on board with this message, and then encourage them to spread that off to uh, 10 people as well. So you guys take care of yourselves, and I will look forward to speaking with you again, Jim. We'll get to see you guys next time. Good luck to you. God bless America. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our chat. Oh, me too. All right. You have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.